buddy. Cheers for coming on. We're now live. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk a lot of trash about MMA <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited just to hear it and weigh in with a few opinions uh, myself. So um, tell me a bit about yourself and uh, tell me a bit about your background. Um, I'm from New York, born and raised. Uh, I'm uh, one of those people that went into life after like things like high school and thought, ah, I don't want to do college. I'll just go work. You know, My mother and her generation, they went and got a job and they, they didn't have to go to college. And then you get to that point, you work a long time. And realize, wow, this is not what I want to do. I need a career. I need something to like. So I actually went back to college later in life. I'm, I'm uh, 33, going to be 34 in a couple of weeks. Um, and I went back to college later in life. And it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me have a stronger desire than I would have years ago. And I, you know, I always thought, okay, I have a good idea for getting information to people. I, I like to write. And I thought, you know, I want to get, do something I'm good at and it comes natural. And it was writing. So I went back to college for journalism. I, I just graduated this past June, but I've been writing MMA for about three, going on close to four years now. Uh, I've written for different sites. I've written for PWP Nation. I've written for uh, Last Word on Sports, and then they merged with MMA Sucka, and that's where I write now. And I've been a senior editor at MMA Sucker for uh, two years now, and uh, shout out to MMA Sucker. They're a really good site, you know, up and coming um, they, they have good content, you know, some, you know, it's based out of Canada, so it's local stuff, but, um, you know, and, and, that, and that's pretty much a story. I'm, you know, one of those people that said, you know what, it's not too late to, to go and find out what you love. And it was journalism and I like to, to do that kind of stuff. So I got into it late and I'm in that position where I'm like, I was a prospect. Now I'm going pro and trying to, to move into that making money part of journalism and which is hard in general but even harder in mma where there's not a, a lot of money so that, that's pretty much me in a nutshell what started you off with um like the idea of getting involved in podcasting as well podcasting pretty much it was just diversifying my skill set for you know going into the work market later and it, it's and luckily we live in we live in a generation and time where it, it's so easy to do i mean for anybody out there that wants to do podcasts or, or interested, it's so easy. All the technology is there for free. You can get, you know, quality stuff, you know, video, audio. And it was like, man, I get a chance to, to diversify my skill set and have fun and talk about what I want to talk about. So the first podcast I did was with a good friend of mine called uh, Cheap Seats and the Stick Man. We talked about everything. We talked about movies, uh, comics, uh, TV shows, sports. You know, we had on like some MMA guests and uh, all kinds of even we didn't even did a show post uh, Trump election and politics, which was fun to do and sad at the same time. And, um, you know, then I moved on to doing a s exclusive podcast for MMA Sucker called Sucker Shots, where the, the, you know, the setup was I would have on a guest every week and we uh, do fight picks for an upcoming UFC at Bellator card. I interview them. Um, now I moved into, you know, the fight strength podcast with, with, uh, Phil DeRue and, uh, I'm actually starting, I just started this week, another podcast, uh, called Empire State uh, Sports Talk. It's a New York based, um, sports talk show. And again, just diversify my skill set, trying to get more, you know, information out there, get myself out there. And it's just fun. It's easy to do, you know, and it, but it is time consuming because in the end, it's like a radio show, uh, a DIY radio show, but you know, podcasting is fun. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I enjoy the experience despite the extra unpaid work sometimes. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's one of the beauties for me with, uh, I mean, my passion with sort of podcasting. I've had, 
you know a wide range of guests on here from like porn stars to obviously Phil um, to conspiracy theorists you know like I'm just there I just want to connect with people talk to them and kind of I'm, I'm just interested in people and like their life choices and you know understanding how how individuals work and what their passions are and why they do it um, I mean I live sort of in a in a small town called Hastings in England and it's like 78,000 people here and I'm connecting with people in America and chatting with guys like yourself and do you know what I mean and I just think like for me that was why my passion for podcasting started as well as the Joe Rogan experience I was just like this is fucking sick like I want to get involved and I've I've been close to like podcasting with him but hasn't quite happened yet (laughs) how now I want to how the interview with the porn star went and what was your first question for them Oh man, I can't even remember, but <laughs> it, it was good. Like she, she was, you know, she was great to come on, open, completely honest about everything. Um, I, well, my first question was just tell me a bit about yourself and your background yeah. and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then we spoke about the porn industry, and then she's also a nutritionist and uh, mm-hmm. plays the drums as well. So oh. we was like, you know, she was talking about how people kind of sometimes judge her or whatever because she's a porn star and everyone yeah. just thinks oh you know some dumb woman or whatever and then well what i started to notice obviously like you know she's got many layers to her personality yeah but yeah you know i i really enjoyed that podcast because it's just great to connect with people and hear their stories and you know why they're making the moves and she was she's like a massive entrepreneur do you know what i mean she's just like i'm promoting all of these bands and promoting this and i'm starting my own shows doing rock music and i was just like ah, oh, fucking hell there is more to just you going to a set and having sex do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> which is you know fair enough fair point yeah um, yeah i mean and it's it's fun i mean you, you you like you're saying you really get to you know peel back the layers on a person because it's not like a, a set you know tv show interview where oh, okay we got an eight minute nine minute segment we'll talk about main things you know and then they get they cover these specific topics sometimes for a certain guys you could really go into stuff and really get to learn a person that's what's awesome about like podcasting in general it's so it's so free will and open wide open yeah it's not like that little tv segment where you can kind of be like you can only say this and yeah you, know, you should only talk about this subject and yep oh you can't really speak about that and we're gonna have to edit that out and it's yep. just like you know we're here let's get the fucking ball rolling let's chat about yeah. whatever we want you know i mean yeah. i know youtube's uh google are like censoring certain subjects now on yeah. on youtube apparently they're taking down I don't, I don't really know the story too much there i haven't looked into it but i think videos that they deem as hate hateful or whatever are, mm. are getting blocked or whatever and I'm, I'm not sure whether i'm for or against it because i think like we should all have free speech you know to yeah. an extent and where do you draw the line and what's hateful and what's not if that makes sense yeah no i agree i mean it's it, you know it's the thing that happens when something gets so big and so i don't want to say youtube's corporate but when it hits such a big size and it's about making money you know you have to make certain people happy and and, and we live we you know nowadays you with social media is like the best thing ever and it's the worst thing ever because now every you find out how you can't make everybody happy and anybody who's unhappy with anything even if they're looking to be unhappy just to be noticed will let their voice be heard and it affects you know how people make decisions it's like it's almost anti it's free speech that's almost anti-free speech at times yeah i mean it's it's nice to give everyone a voice but also 
that that with that brings a lot of negativity and, and trolls as people like to call it. Oh yeah. People that just want to fucking leave a comment for the sake of leaving a comment. Yeah. <laughs> like they want to go on and start a beef with somebody famous to like, oh look, I was they they answered me and they got I, we bantered back and forth. It's like yeah. you just look like a fool, man. You I just know. look like a person only wants to be friends with. I know, man. I massively massively agree when I see trolls like going in. Sometimes it's funny, man, like you have got a laugh. But at other times, you're just like, you're kind of going for that easy reaction, easy likes, trying to mm-hmm. gain some form of celebrity appeal or whatever, just by yep. being a complete cock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, and, and unfortunately, the way news is covered, you know, you have so many articles that will put tweets into the articles and embed them. And you can, sometimes these people get famous. I mean, I've seen a lot of stories. I enjoyed them, but it was like, say, about Trump, and it was about... He would make a, a weird tweet. People would answer, and the answers and responses would be hilarious. But you also have those other people who might get famous from the nonsense responses, and and you know they they play off of that and get notice off of that. It's it's like this. I mean, I don't know if it's like the same way in the UK. I, I bet it is, but like in the US, it's it's more about whatever you can to get famous. Like regular people have taken the idea of any press is good press to like the next level. No man, I agree. Over here, we have we have thought the same thing with certain people and it doesn't really matter what they're doing that they, they get they get in the limelight they can say what they want they can be flamboyant about it or controversial just for the sake of being controversial to mm-hmm. gain some publicity if that you know it's you know someone will go on tv they've got their five minutes of like limelight and they just yep. spout out a load of controversial shit loads of people yep. start seeing it on the internet sharing it commenting on it and then suddenly that person's got their own fucking podcast youtube channel <laughs> a million yeah. views and there's people like yeah. me and i'm just like you know I'm, I'm a fairly down-to-earth guy i'm just here to connect with people and i'm just thinking maybe i should just start spouting some proper radical controversial shit and fucking get the views <laughs> yeah because and it, and it hurts people that are just trying to you know play it straight and professional because like well you're not that interesting well yeah i'm trying to be a professional i'm trying to do it both ways i'm not just out here to be a fool and it's it it gets the people have a certain image or reputation and you know especially i don't know you know they, they have it here where they have these talk shows on like even like espn or some of the big networks where it's just two people bantering and just looking to say the most ludicrous thing that gets the most noise and these are like hugely rated like and it's it's for the people that are you know unwilling to say dumb stuff because they're not dumb people they're kind of lost in the shuffle because they just do their job like a normal person trying to do the best job they can it's like uh it's this fame world the society we live in it's crazy yeah i mean it's kind of uh like sad in a way because with these talk shows and that you everyone's just looking for that one punchline, you know so you can use like lim mcgregor mayweather fucking Mm. press conferences It's just like, it, it, to me, it just reminded me of WWE. Like, it was just like scripted, mm-hmm. like going out there, like, fuck the Mayweathers. And they're all like trying to drop that one witty line. Yeah. Just, and I'm just like, whatever happened to just stepping out there, putting on a great fight, and, and that's it, you know? Like, I get the trash talking, but for me, it was just embarrassing trash talking. Like, it just felt so staged, like, in my opinion. I don't know. It felt like someone had written out a script. You know, yeah. with McGregor, uh, with Mayweather putting the Irish flag around him, and then McGregor p- yep. picking up his bag, and he's only got five grand in. I was like, "Am I watching WWE here? Like, this this doesn't seem like it's natural." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and w- at least with WWE, you're getting into it knowing this is supposed to be coming. It's supposed to be a lunch. It's supposed to be ridiculous. I, the, the one of the worst things, like I didn't, I wasn't surprised, and I, I, I got what they were doing the first day, the second day when they made the decision to go four days in a row and four cities, and you know, they, you know, it law. It's crazy. They went from the first couple days where everybody's like, "Man, I didn't care about this fight, though." Super, you know, now I kind of want to watch it. It's so ridiculous. Now it's become a freak show. To the second couple days, you realize, "Wow, this is really just you know the proverbial snake oil salesman at the circus trying to just sell a, a nonsense product." And I, it, I mean, I was already turned off. Like, I refuse to watch this fight because I think it's just a, a, a overblown exhibition. But yeah, like, I mean, I'm not, I, 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 in, an, in an era, I mean, not, not too long ago, they, Mike Tyson, you know, during the Lennox Lewis lead-up, I think it was, he said, I'm going to eat your children. So, I mean, nothing's going to be worse than that. Nah. But, you know, I, I guess I'm used to it. I, you know, I've gotten desensitized to it because that's how culture is, that you have to do whatever you can to get the most notice. The more outlandish, the more social media, because social media is so powerful that you can promote without paying for it. So it's like the more crazier, the more weird audio clip or video clip you could put out there you know it helps build things up and it's now you see other fighters trying to mimic what mcgregor and what mayweather doing and i agree with you i've seen stories where people say oh man everybody's watching mcgregor and mayweather and nobody's talking about canelo and and uh and triple g because they don't have to everybody knows that fight is a main you don't have to sell me if you even care about the if you're trying to get the mainstream fan okay i get you but for the the, the these are two niche kind of sports anyway you know for the fans and those are a great fight they don't got to sell they just got to stand next to each other and say oh this fight in a couple of weeks and i'm sold you know for mayweather and mcgregor everybody knows it's nonsense so they have to sell the hell out of it to make it go well I, I it's probably a train wreck maybe i want to see a train wreck today all right you know so no man, that's it. It's it's a massive. Um, I think Teddy Atlas said something like the promotion's yeah. working with even to the like Paulie Malinagi leaked photos and yeah. videos. It's just let's just keep everyone talking about it because more people are gonna think McGregor's got a chance, and more people are gonna buy it, and more people are gonna think he's gonna win. And you know, it just ain't gonna happen. No, <laughs> I'm and I'm. <laughs> I'm disappointed by MMA fans. I mean, I I know. I think we all kind of know. The, I mean, there's a there's a large segment of MMA fans that are just meatheads, you know, that don't get it. Like these are the people when it's like a good grappling, you know, exchange, and and they start booing or they they not they don't get the the, the idea of the strategy of it. And they want everybody to knock each other's head up. But the fact that so many of them are just blinded that they think McGregor's gonna win. Now, you know. I, uh, shout out to my my boy Paulie Gloves. He's a he's a striking coach for ATT, um, American Top Team. He he made a great analogy saying like it's kind of like an all American wrestler or just a high level wrestler going into like an ADCC competition. Now this is not to say McGregor doesn't know what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. He, he he has the idea, but this is going into a totally different sport, totally different way of scoring, a totally way different way of doing things. I I don't get it. even you can try to sell me. Oh, he's got power. I, I don't get that. He fought Miguel Cotto, Ricky Hatton, Juan Manuel Marquez, you know, uh, Victor Ortiz. He fought all these different people. Good punchers, fast punch, Shane Mosley. He's only been rocked once in his entire career. I get he's 40, but this guy has had one. He has had no M- uh, uh, boxing fights, and he even got rocked in MMA. Come on, Nate, Nick, Nate Diaz. Rock this guy and beat him up, and Nate Diaz has no defense. Oh, yeah. No, man. I mean, 
just throw a few other names in the list. Canelo, Oscar De La Hoya. Yes, yes. Manny Pacquiao. Yep. <laughs> yeah, come on, these are the greats of a generation. These are some of the best fighters ever, not just the last decade. And they, the only guy that came close, which I, I, I take... I, I take pride in is my boy Oscar De La Hoya, but he stupidly, you know, put his jab in his back pocket the last few rounds. But he's the closest, and he got a split decision. That was a long time ago. Yeah. You know, he this guy fought some of the great. He made Juan Manuel, Juan Manuel Marquez one of the best ever, great counterpuncher, one of the most the best IQ fighters ever. Just look like a, a okay boxer, a good boxer. I mean, he made it look easy against. Uh, you know, I, I don't. If you watch Connor fights, for all these people that know Connor, he gets hit. It's not like he has superb defense and he's like Anderson making people move and, you know, these reflex. He is willing to take a shot. So now you're going in there with a guy who's willing to take a shot against a guy who's maybe the best defensive boxer of all time. Like, the traps he's going to set, the things he's going to show Connor that he's never seen in his life. And the funny thing I've also seen... Um, different people who understand both boxing and MMA, they've actually been saying, and these are some people that are in the MMA you know, industry, saying boxers hit harder because they've been training their entire life to use these and they know how to use them. And, you know, he, he doesn't get it. Like, I, I mean, and the fans, the fact that the fans don't get it, it's, it's maddening. It makes me go crazy. I know, man. Like, as well, it's, it's world class, you know. I've, I've um, seen like amateur boxers hitting a bag and then you watch world-class boxers striking a bag and yep. just the difference in technique power movement the fit the footworks just a fucking another an, on a whole different level yeah and these are some of these amateurs or semi-pros have have you know had 20 bouts 21 bouts 30 bouts at, at, at an amateur level and they don't look nowhere near as good as the professional, the world-class mm-hmm. boxers. And then you're looking at McGregor, who's had zero and zero. And I'm just thinking, what, what the fuck is going on? And uh, yeah. Showtime, obviously, I think um, they're doing that segment, like 20-minute segments on the fights, or yeah. on the build-up. And uh, I think episode two, they went to Conor McGregor's hometown, to like where he started doing his boxing gym. Mm. And there's all these fighters of boxers, and then there was no fight with Conor McGregor on the wall. And the coach was like, oh, some fighters just, they come off the wall for certain reasons. And I was yeah. thinking, that guy, Conor McGregor was never on the wall to come off the wall. Like, he, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. uh, in my opinion, I don't know much about his career, but I think he did amateur boxing for a while. Got, you know, didn't do very good or did okay. Saw yeah. the MMA game and was like, fuck it, like, I'll go do that. My striking's going to be good for MMA. And then you know beat people up and made his way made his way up the ladder like and that's no disrespect to people who fight in the MMA and strike in MMA but it, you know we're talking about purists and elitists and experts with their hands in boxing yep. and people who are just well rounded in MMA it's, it is totally two different you know two totally different sports yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's, it's, it's infuriating. Like, I, I get it. Like, he, he, this is a money play. I mean, he, he, this is in the smartest thing about all of this is he's, he's doing a great job of really making a lot of money, and, and that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, an athlete's career is so short, 
you know, if I don't know if I believe it, this, you know, this supposed he might get a hundred million dollar purse. I don't know about that, but I mean, I guess that's assuming a lot of people buy it for a hundred dollars. I would never want to buy that, but you know, he's getting a chance to really make huge money. I mean, it's beneficial to the UFC because if he goes back to the UFC, he's a huge selling, you know, star coming off of this. You know, Floyd, Floyd has his tax issues, so he's because he stands to make a lot of money, but. I mean, it's just the the cases try people make. Oh, Connor's got power; he's useful. The the thing about this is, I'm sure some of the people trying to make excuses, you know, reasons for Connor is, oh, Floyd, ah, man, he, you know, he's he's gonna probably take him lightly. Floyd Mayweather is 49 and 0. This is a chance for him to go 50 and 0. This guy has a massive ego. He's he wants to be the best ever. He wants to be looked at as the best ever. He wants to have an unblemished record. Like if he was some guy that was really desperate for money, I mean, who maybe is with the taxes, I'd be like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he loses. He wants to set up a trilogy. Like this is some crazy stuff. Maybe he's doing it, but he doesn't want to lose. He wants to get fifty and zero undefeated, beat the superstar MMA, and then go off and make a ton of money. And you know, he's not going to take this guy lightly. Like, he's going to be very serious about this fight. And, and I, I mean, I think, honestly, I think this is... Floyd doesn't knock many people out. I think this could be the fight. And I think that's why I picked it, because he can get a knockout. Go 50-0 knockout and end his career. Yeah, devastating. I mean, what do you think about the talk of um, Floyd Mayweather bringing up, like, next time, uh, when we do our next fight, we'll do it in the octagon. What do you think? Do you reckon that's I can't... a possibility? No, because I don't think he wants to lose. I mean, there was a time where a lot of people said he was ducking Antonio Margarito. And our, Antonio Margarito was like a bad, he, you know, he fought Manny Pocket. He's the guy that cheated, cheated and used uh, lace gloves against Miguel Cota. I mean, he was a guy that just came forward big, you know, tough Mexican fighter. So he, he people thought he ducked him. People thought he he ducked Manny Pacquiao, and then he finally fights him. I mean, maybe he you know the money wasn't right. Maybe he was waiting until uh, Manny slowed down a little bit. But he doesn't want to lose. He doesn't want to take chances. I mean, he, there's no doubt he 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 he's taking tough fights. You know, yeah, he he fights a lot of great fighters, but he's hard. He doesn't always fight the best guys available in their prime. Um, he fought Canelo, youngish kind of in the game, um, but. I don't think he wants to lose. So I, that if they were going to MMA, all of a sudden, I think Connor's got to be the favorite. You know, Connor. It, that's the crazy that is. It, it it'll flip because of his ability to kick and and do some of the stuff he can do. So I, I think that's just nonsense. It's just it's all talk. It's maybe more reason to try to bring people in. Like, oh, I want to see that. And if whoever wins, maybe it'll go MMA and they'll they rematch it. I I I could not see that. And I think I even saw a comment Connor. They asked him the same thing. And he was like, whatever. He he's lying. He's not serious about that. Yeah, he doesn't want to get folded up into a chair. <laughs> yeah, oh, he he would be in trouble. I mean, if this guy started throwing some, because that's that's the thing about Connor. Everybody knows about his hands. He can kick. You know, he he does some unorthodox kicks, spin kicks. You know, if he started doing that stuff, like body kicks to to Floyd, oh, forget about. Because he is the longer fighter. He can keep his distance by just doing that. I mean, we all saw what he did with with Nate Diaz, just using kicks. Like, oh, Floyd wouldn't be prepared for that. Like, he'd be in serious trouble. So, yeah. no way he wants any of that. What do you think about, I don't know if you've seen it, the uh, video of the knockdown between Paulie and Connor? Have you seen that yet? Yeah, I saw it this morning. It's interesting because I was totally in the camp of Paulie Malinaji and I, I, you know, thinking, oh man, it's probably just bull crap. And the way they're saying it, especially, I forgot the guy's name, the, the South African fighter that came out a month or so ago talking about that. Um, he trained with them and, and Connor's camp tried to put out a word on him and him beating him up to, to just say, you know, whatever that, oh, he, I, I, come on, I hit him at will. Like, this is nonsense. I thought we were going to keep it in there, but 
I, I was behind Paul in that, but it, it's weird. It, it it definitely does not look like a push. I don't know if it's a, a knockdown. You know, maybe he was riled before. I mean, it's interesting. But then there's there's other things you have to factor in. Um, one, Paulie Malnagy, for as good as he is, he's not Floyd Mayweather. Two, Paulie Malnagy is pseudo retired. Like this guy wasn't training. This guy pretty much was like doing it, getting ready for analysis for the Showtime. Um, you know, pr- you know presentation and connor called him up so i mean yeah he probably keeps in shape but it's different than connor who's been in camp for i don't know four months it seems like yeah. preparing for this fight for a guy that just got out the plane and isn't in great shape anyway um so i mean connor legit maybe knocked him down that's fantastic i mean good for him i mean maybe it shows he he really has come along in his boxing but you know to to knock down a paula malinaji who ha- isn't really even in training and is retired to 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 doing stuff against Floyd? I mean, it's it's, it's like even if if Paulie was training and and a sparring partner, he's still not Floyd Mayweather. No. <laughs> it just you know, but I mean, it is interesting. It, it's a it makes a case for for Conor. It probably legitimizes him a little bit more. But again, context. Who knows what was going on? Who knows if you know the first four rounds? You know, Conor was just getting his ass handed to him. You know, again, who knows? Yeah, because well, I think the the knockdown Paulie said come in the the later rounds, and obviously if he hasn't been training and he's and they pulled him in just after he got off the plane, apparently. Yeah. He's mad, you know, he's going to be fatigued. His legs are going to be heavy, yep. and he's you know it's the second time of him sparring. Um, I mean, I've been full, uh, following Paulie Malinagi's, uh Twitter like quite a lot today, and uh, people have been like doing frame by frame analysis and sending it to him. Oh yeah. And uh, the the way it looks now in some of the images, because I thought it was a knockdown, but the way it looks in some of the images now, as you can see, Conor McGregor's hand on the back of Paulie's head pushing mm. him down, mm. and then uh, he throws. Uh, I want to say it's a right. He throws a right and misses Paulie and Paulie kind of goes on the deck and you've got um, Cortez the referee and you can hear just slightly in that clip um, no uh, Cortez goes no no or something like he says no basically yeah. so that's like the referee's way of saying like no knockdown like you know it's illegal or whatever and yeah. uh, everyone's also questioning like why did they stop the um, the footage that was leaked within the you know why did they stop it there? Why not show Joe, Joe Cortez giving the count or whatever, just to prove even more that you know this referee, who's a world class referee, is also saying, yeah, that was a knockdown. Like starts counting, but yeah, they they've analysed it like frame by frame now, and I've got to say, like whoever fucking recorded, well Dana White issued <laughs> the videos, whoever recorded it and what angles they got from, they must have got yeah. like five or six different angles, like, yep. and they was like, well, these two look good. And then, yeah. you know, everyone's talking about it, promotion, promotion. Don't get me wrong, I, I've got no doubt in my mind, like, Connor, there's, I think in, um, I love a little bit of the footage, Connor lands like a mean left hand to Paulie whilst they're standing and fucking jolts his head back. And I yeah. was like, yeah, that's a good strike, you know, but again, it's later on in the round, Paulie didn't really look rocked from that strike and yeah. it almost looks like these two bits of footage have been edited together and they happened at different times in the fight. Yeah, it has to. I mean, it has to be factored in how how much the gloves make a difference. I mean, the, you know, the, the distribution of power. Yeah, Connor's still gonna have power, but the distribution of power and and as good as Paulie Malnagy is, I mean, Paulie can get hit sometimes. So, I mean, he's an older fighter, so it's like, yeah, I I saw that too, and it's like that's a good shot, but it's like again the context of it all, the the, the difference of where Paulie's at to where Floyd is at. I mean, it, it just 
it just stinks of like like sleazy promoter like I, I sometimes the stuff Dana White does I I just don't get it like I mean he's like it's it, it just like sleaze ball kind of weird stuff and it's I. I I'm I'm not a big fan of it. And I, I'm hoping most fans are wise to it. It's a bunch of BS, and they're trying to just sell a fight. It's nonsense. Yeah, we'll go off on a little tangent um, from the McGregor Mayweather fight and talk about Dana White with the um, Tyron Woodley scenario of how he come out and you know was like Tyron Woodley isn't getting GSP fight and you know hating on Tyron Woodley and saying you know you should have taken it to him. But in like my opinion, Tyron, Tyron Woodley done everything perfect like he didn't yeah. need to he's the champ with the belt he didn't get taken down i think it was is it da- uh, damian meyer i can't pronounce his name very well yeah damian meyer yeah he's like some sick takedown guy yes had like 20 attempts on the takedown 21 attempts on the takedown on Tyron. Yep. didn't execute one and it's just like you know this guy's the champ for a reason he probably could have finished it, but he's like, why am I going to risk it? Like, I'm the champ here. Do, you know, Dana White, do your job and promote me. Like, and, you know, these these kind of sh- average MMA fans who watch it, obviously booing it because they don't appreciate yeah. the art form. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. how hard it is to stop 21 takedowns from a guy yep. who is literally the cream of the crop. Yep. I mean, it's... It's two things. Uh, one, and to, to anybody that is bothered by it, one, it came out after the fight, this guy, Woodley, had a possible labrum tear. He even said he couldn't even throw certain shots. So, you know, t- and the second thing is, uh, we actually had Ioana uh, Jacek on uh, the Fight Strength podcast, you know, Phil tra- trains her, and I posed the question to her. I wanted to get her, her thoughts on it because we know she's friendly with Dana White. You know, he, she, he's, she's kind of one of Dana's favorites, but she's also knows Tyron because Tyron, you know, sometimes trains the ATT. He's affiliated with it. And as I'm reading his quote after the the – the, the, the next couple the day later she was even like why would he say that you know she even was like damn that's kind of messed up to say and though he made you know the comments about oh if you ask any fans that they want to see tyron Woolley fight again they're probably gonna say no and everything and and um when i mean she definitely was torn you know she's friends with both so she kind of tried to play in between you know point but even she was like that's an amazing performance like that's like for, for the fans i don't get it like Damn That's why I love Damian Maya, and I was I, I was rooting for either one. Whoever one I was happy with, I just love his story. But this guy is the the last of a dying breed. He's the specialist, and he has one key way to beat you. I mean, he can throw the strikes a little bit, you know, to set up. He has one way to beat you. Everybody and their mother and their brother and their cousin and their dog know what he's gonna do. He was in there with Jorge Masvidal, Carlos Condit. Matt Brown, these are serious, very legit, very good fighters. Carlos Condon was an uh, interim champion. Jorge Masvidal might be in, in, in the, the running for an interim title shot now. They knew it was coming. They trained months and months, and they still could not stop it. And even then, guys like Condon, Masvidal, they're good on the ground. They, they have enough to, to keep out of danger, get back to their feet. And once it got there, it was it was almost ac- academic. I mean, Masvidal surprised you put up the best fight. This guy couldn't get Tyron Woolley down once. He couldn't get him down once. How hard is that to do? That is not easy. Like, I mean, to kind of just get lost that this guy completely shut down this guy's game plan and made him look like an amateur. Okay, yeah, he didn't finish him. 
I mean, but even like Joanna said in an interview, you can't just assume, like ask these fighters to just jump in and and take risks. And, and you know, this is their life. This is their livelihood. This, you know, they plan to fight more. They want to make as much money as they can. They want to be in the sport as long as they can because it's such a short time. When Dana White made the comment, oh well, you know, you take no risk, you get no reward. You get in there, fight. Then you go get risky. Like these are people. Like and also, what if he takes a risk? His labor's messed up. He gets like, you know what? I want to get the finish. He goes in there, gets taken out, he gets submitted. He loses his title. He doesn't get that Reebok championship payday. He's not going to be in the main event. He loses out on money for months to come. And and considering that he's not liked as an exciting fighter, the chance for him to get a rematch and get back in title picture is, is you know, even... he's Tyron Wood, Tyron Wood is very smart. He knows this. You can't uh, expect a fighter to do that. They're like, I don't get why Dana White... And Tyron said in the in the in his quotes on uh, uh, Ariel Hwani show the next day, you supposed to promote your fighter, not demote your mm. fighter, man. Come on. Basically, you could have just gone out there and said exactly what we've just said. Like, you know, he just took down this, like, he yeah. stopped 21 takedowns, like, one on points. And I think it's the same uh, touching back on Floyd Mayweather. Is like people say he's like a boring fighter because he doesn't go in there and brawl and stand toe to toe. But when you appreciate the art, you know, yeah. how he moves and how he dodges these punches and how yep. he just, you know, we, makes, makes, you know, uh, Atura, Atura Gatti look like a, oh. an amateur sparring partner. Uh, yep. And, and stops him, I think, in like the eighth round, you know. But yep. just like Canelo, Pacquiao, like people say the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight was, you know, underperformed. It wasn't what the fans wanted to see in that. Mm. And I get that. But in the same sense, I just think that's how good Mayweather is. He makes yep. people that are world class just look like me going in there <laughs> yeah and, and the and the, th- and the thing uh tyron also made is his uh quotes after the the fight was he was saying i don't say he doesn't defend me but then he makes excuses for like sage north cut oh yeah you know he's in the hospital day before dehydration whatever like he makes like it's it's sad when he's a promoter and he clearly shows favorites like he showed uber favoritism to ronda to connor to a lot of people and and I, I don't get it. Like like you just said, he could exactly say what we're saying. Like, what is the harm? You're the promoter. Just say, you know, you run the company line. You're trying to sell these guys. Like, why? To me, it almost feels, and I asked you on it this too, like, it almost feels like he's purposely trying to diminish his value because he's not a fan of him or whatever and because he doesn't sell enough pay-per-views in his view, though you're not helping him. So when contract time almost comes around, you almost wonder, like, well, see, you didn't sell pay-per-views. You didn't make a lot of money for us. So, I mean, we're going to offer you this amount and we're not going to overpay you. It's like he's still one of the best fighters on the planet. Sell that to your fan base. Like they're willing to listen. He's an amazing fighter. He his, he shut down a guy who couldn't who stopped who went ran through everybody. I think Damian might had like a seven fight winning streak. You know, former middleweight cont- world, world title contender. That's easy to sell. Like like he, even when he talked like I'm a huge George St Pierre fan. There's not much difference in George St Pierre's fights in terms of excitement level than Tyron Woodley's when George became champion. When George became champion the second time. There was Dan Hardy. He didn't finish Dan Hardy. He didn't finish Thiago Alves. He um, he finished BJ just because BJ was so tired. You know, he didn't finish Johnny Hendricks. All those wins he had, most of them were not finishes because when you hit the highest levels, it's hard to beat these guys, to finish these guys because you the, 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 the window to making a, a, a mistake and it costs you is so it, – it, it's it's bigger. You know, it, it, you, you get in more trouble. So – but yeah, George St. Pierre, he never called George St. Pierre boring. When George St. Pierre had 
now has the most, I think, the record for most time inside the octagon. He's not calling him boring, like, ah, he sure stays in a cage all day. No, because he, he sells pay-per-views, but because Tyron was not selling it enough, and he's not helping him sell it, he's, like, diminishing him. And, you know, like you said, like, I, I there's Floyd, Floyd Mayweather fights are interesting that the first six rounds are fascinating because you're like, okay, how is this guy going to try to have a chance? Mm-hmm. And then by six, round six or seven, you're like, wow, this guy's not going to have a, has a general chance either. He's going to lose. He has nothing to offer. And then the last six get kind of boring, you know, in a, in a way because he's, you know, he's, he's so much better and he doesn't finish him. But that's fine. That doesn't mean I don't appreciate what he's doing and how hard it is and how easy he's making great fighters look pathetic. And that's what Tyron did. You know, yeah, you'd want to see an exp- explosive knockout. He just, I don't understand. He just had two really pretty good fights with Stephen Thompson, you know, and, and Tyron also made a great point, too. Why do they not blame the other fighter? Why don't they say, ah, Damian Maia, you should have really went at it and throw some hands and took your chances. Like, it's Tyron's fault because he's the only one in there, obviously, you know? Man, I, c- I couldn't agree more. I mean, I saw Tyron's comments as well, I think, after, and he was like, Dana, you need to give me an apology, otherwise I'm gonna expose some some secrets or something. Oh, I wish he would have leaked some stuff. Oh, I wish. I, I, I'm wondering. I, I I mean, we could theorize here because I've got no idea. Like, but if yeah. you've got any theories that you might want to throw in throw into the ring, I'm I'm open to to hearing what you think it could be. I I mean, yeah, I I really have no idea. But if we look at things, um. I mean, he's an announcer for the for the company, you know. So he, who knows what he's maybe seen backstage, or you know, maybe preparing for training. But and he's you know he's a champion, so he's at the highest level. So he deals with the brass closely. He he knows a lot of fighters. You know, he's affiliated with ATT. Mm. Um, but also he's trained at the performance. You know, he knows the performance institute. So I, I don't. Yeah, it's it's hard to guess. But, I mean, he's a guy at the highest level, so he gets to deal with pe- the highest people. So, you know, maybe he knows some interesting things about some of the people that, you know, you think, oh, okay, we're cool, you know, you're a champion, you're not going to say anything. And maybe he could, you know, it's, it's interesting. Or maybe he's, you know, it's just a smart play, you know, because not too long after I saw a headline talking about that things have been smoothed over. Yeah. So maybe he just, you know, he, he was playing a smart play. Maybe he does know some interesting things about Dana or what he does or who's with or <laughs> whatever's going on, but... Yeah. You know, they're not beefing anymore, so... Maybe he just knows that Dana goes to the strip clubs and... Yep. Secretly, secretly goes to Floyd Mayweather strip clubs, you know? <laughs> he ain't even supporting Conor McGregor. He's taking he's taking yeah. money from the McGregor-Mayweather fight, the high percentage. He's going to yeah. the McGregor, uh, going to the Mayweather strip clubs, and Tyron knows all about that. <laughs> what What's crazy is that... Uh, what made UFC so great compared to boxing? You know, I mean, I've been like a diehard MMA fan in general, it's like going on 11, 12 years now. What made it so interesting? Was, it was the brand. Like the UFC brand is you go watch UFC because you know you're going to see some entertaining stuff. You're going to see some good fights and crazy action. So you watch the brand, you know, and in, in boxing, it's about the fighters, the big names. Like who cares about an undercard for the most part? You know, unless it's it's on a big, you know, cable network then they'll sell a fighter to you and build them up but it's changed now like because dana has started to show like this weird favoritism in the last five six years to certain fighters he's making it about the fighter now and what's unfortunate is because he makes it about certain fighters and and, and they try to sell in a certain way and part of it is the, the fighters need you know credit for selling the fights themselves like connor's a fantastic promotional guy but the fact that a card that had tyron winning damian maya uh, Cyborg winning her title against uh, 
uh, Avenger. And then one of the best rivalries, one of the great historic fights, you know, leading up to Dan, Daniel Cormier and John Jones. Like, that's a historic fight because it's two, one of the best ever in their prime. But the fact that that didn't break a million and only had 800,000 buys, like, how is that possible? Like, so what's going on? Is it there because Connor's not on it, Ronda Rousey's not on it, it doesn't break a million? You know, it, it, I would think, you know, if a card back in the day you had Brock and George on it, UFC 100, that broke a million easy. Like, it, it's it, it's it's like that, that set of president. Like, oh, it was about Brock and George, so now we got to go more about the fighters so we can get a million instead of the brand. It's like, yeah. that that's the weird change and how that's gone. And I can and you see now more than ever, fighters are getting upset. You know, that, the Reebok deal, you know, fighters are way more disgruntled now than they were, you know, five years ago. Like, they're getting wise to this concept, like, yeah, maybe the UFC is not the only place I can be. Maybe there are other options because they don't treat me like other places would. No, I mean, um, maybe Dana White's just being a shitty promoter for the UFC at the moment, like mm-hmm. because he's got his favorites. Yep. I mean, with with the whole um, Daniel Cormier and uh, John Jones fight, I mean, I follow down. I haven't. I'm not like a massive diehard fan. I've I've only followed it for like you know three four years. Yeah, but that. Uh, that fight, I didn't know about it until like three weeks before it was on, mm. and maybe that's just because I haven't, you know, I'm not like paying much attention to to the news articles and whatever. But yeah. with a McGregor fight, it's just like everywhere, like YouTube, yeah. like boof, boof, like any all these YouTube videos, press conferences, you know, it's like news feeds and Facebook, Twitter, social media, and and I didn't really see much of that with the Cormier Jones fight obviously for you I'm sure it's different from what you know because you're surrounded by that but I just think like for reaching the the average guy who maybe doesn't follow UFC religiously they need to try and work better at pinpointing that that niche if that makes sense that market of people yeah. that aren't that aren't religiously going through the UFC websites or whatever yeah, yeah I agree. Three title fights, or well, three great fights. You know, three massive fights on the last card, and what, I've, in my opinion, I didn't really know much about it until you know a month before. Yeah, and I think they just assume, oh, we'll put on a countdown show and everybody's going to watch it. I mean, you know, there's some people that don't here, at least in the states, that there's like two, the Fox Sports networks. There's you know two of them. Some of them have effect, you know, Fox Sports Two, or some of them, you know. So I think they just think that. But I get it shows you the power of of social media because you know people like Connor and certain fighters have such a huge social media following that all they got to do is put up some stuff and then their fans will share it and it be just become viral and. I think that's what the UFC has to do. They have to do what they can to build their fighters, especially on social media. You know, a perfect example is Derek Lewis. You know, he's doing it. Even Chase Sherman, and I think a lot of fighters are seeing it. You have to build yourself in social media. And now a guy like Derek Lewis, while he's good, you know, he's gotten a lot of attention now because he's he's popular there. You know, he he's garnering your interest. You have to do those things, and it, it's. You know, some of it, it falls on the fights, but it's got to be on the promotion. You're the promoters. You know, why does the fighter have to do all this work to sell themselves? Like, you know, sell them on social media, get them in all kinds of interviews, do all kinds of stuff. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, like, no, I'm a, a, a WWE fan, I'm a wrestling fan. You look at, yeah, they're on TV every week and they, they're all across the world. But some of their wrestlers who aren't even their best wrestlers, they'll have like hundreds of thousands of followers and a million followers. And it's like, wow, what are they doing? Because they push hard on social media, real hard. And 
you look at certain fighters like uh, I don't know Jorge Masvidal who's on fire, and maybe he has like thirty six thousand followers. Like damn, thirty six. I mean, you know, it takes the uber elite. Like I, I mean, I bet you even probably maybe look at Demetrius Johnson. I I I don't think he probably has a million followers. You know, maybe he's in the hundreds of thousands. I, th- I think he's in a hundred thousand plus because I I uh, I looked at his Twitter feed and I was just thinking. And this guy's like reachable. Like I could tweet him and potentially get a response here. Whereas when you look yep. at people who have got nine hundred thousand, a million yep. followers, you're thinking they get messages and tweets all the time. Do you know what I yep. mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Like I, I don't get why they don't. I mean, and and that's not to say the UFC's marketing isn't smart. They're super smart. They know what they're doing. They took a brand that was like oh, damaged goods and made it a global thing. But you know, it that's the thing. They pushed the brand for so long instead of the fighters. And now when they're pushing fighters, they push certain fighters. And 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 then to to go about saying, well, this guy you really should watch because he's exciting. Because this guy is not as exciting. And that's why we have the meathead fans that will boo when there's grappling and hate you know this kind of stuff because. They're only thinking knockouts are worth it, and they're not just sitting there appreciating the art and the talent. Like George St. Pierre, yeah, he didn't have um, a lot of finishes in his second title run, but I loved watching him fight because what he would do, his dominance, like his transition from striking to grappling, I mean, just high, high-level stuff. And there, while a lot of MMA fans are really educated— there's a whole big contingent of these mainstreamers that aren't educated. And they're just like, come on, hit each other. What's going on? You know, so. I mean, why don't uh, maybe like, you should, uh, in my opinion, if it's like you said with the brand, people say Conor McGregor, for example, should tweet, mm-hmm. you know, UFC 214s on. This yeah, fight, this, yeah. If this fight's going to be amazing. You know, McGregor's got 1.5 million followers, give or take. That's a whole lot of people who are going to be like, oh, well, if McGregor says it's good, well, let's retweet this and fuck. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But instead, and, and that's what I mean by like, like you said, like pushing the brand rather yep. than, you know, you get UFC fighters who are slightly selfish who will just be like, kind of saying, yeah, yeah, yeah just I mean, tune into this because I'm on it. <laughs> and because it's it's, and I get why they're doing it. You know, they're they're you know. The contractors and they're, they're you know, they, it's their thing. They're not, they still look at it as they're not part of a team, even though they kind of are part of a team. But yeah, no, that's a great idea because what's funny is that when people like him or Ronda or some of these other fighters do tweet about a pay per view, it's new. It's like, oh, wow, they were watching. Look at that. They thought it was something they thought was a good fight. So yeah, if they, if they told their fighters, hey, you know, let them know, you know, help, you know, help other guys grow, that actually would make a difference. And that's the, the, the power of social media, you know, and so many places use it so well that they, they don't probably use it well enough. I mean, they, they do it good, but, you know, Dana White tweets all the time, but we all know he's going to promote. We all think, ah, oh, he's just, a, you know, the, the promoter. He wants to, to make everything look great, but yeah. he's he's even hurt his own reputation because he'll say one thing is great, then talk shit about the guy the next time, and then say this is all right, or or, or, or he's going to get a fight, and then I'm not going to give the fight. It just, you know, he talks out of both sides of his mouth, so I don't think anybody takes him seriously anymore, so... To do something like making the fighters kind of, you know, spread the word a little bit, that's good. I mean, why, why not? Help your other fighters grow. Because in the end, if a guy gets big and you're big, you make money together. Like, if you're the only star, you know, like, for example, I say John Jones versus Gustin. A lot of people didn't think Gustin had any chance. He can't beat John Jones. But maybe if Gustin was built up like a legitimate threat, sort of like um, 
I don't know who who was recently built up like as, as a scary. Co- oh, Anthony Johnson, no doubt. Anthony Johnson was scary, yeah. but you know they, he 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 got known because he was a scary striker, talented. You know they built him up scary, scary. They would have built up Gustafson. You know maybe that's a bigger thing, but the you know, that doesn't happen enough, and 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 there's just too much focus on one fighter and and stuff. So and even, you get the even kind of these big big time um, sort of fighters that are followed on social media could fucking yeah. call out other fighters, hype their career yeah. up. Check yeah. out UFC 214 with this bum, blah, blah, blah. Or, yeah. I can't wait to get him, you know, Dana yep. White, make it happen. And then everyone's just like, fucking retweet, retweet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And then this other guy who's uh, a nobody or ever's just suddenly bombarded with followers. And then everyone's like, this fight's got to happen. And they check out this guy's highlights. And they're like, actually, fuck me. He's a mean bastard. We yeah. want to see this fight, and then Dana White's like, "Well, this guy's got to fight this guy before he fights yep. this guy." And then everyone's yep. like, "Well, I'm going to tune in because I've seen the highlights." And it's just utilizing who you've got around you. You know, Dana White hit me up. I'm giving you all these social media fucking tips here. I yep. want a job at the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> and what's and what's funny is, uh, and I don't get this either. It's like they're the social media voice of fans is obvious and, and they will retweet and it gets out there so but there's so many occasions like that there was a time where it seemed like the ufc always gave you the fight the fans wanted that's what was great about them too that's what made me get interested because that's so that's happened so many times in boxing that there's this fight that clearly needs to happen and it doesn't but the ufc was doing that for so long now they're doing this thing where there's a clear fight fans want and they still don't put it together like perfect example on the Fight Strength podcast, it's, we're going to have Dustin Poirier. Him and, and Eddie Alvarez had a great fight. It ends weird. You know, Eddie Alvarez hits an illegal knee while Poirier's down, and it's no contest. That I mean, the fight was entertaining, exciting. That would seem like a no-brainer to redo. And fans wanted it, but no, they go and do Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje on the tough. Like, because Gaethje's hot, and maybe they're trying to set up something else. It's like, why not give that to the fans? Like... Mm. How, like, uh, you know, people want to see Gustafson versus John Jones after their first fight. How did that fight not happen? Like, that should have happened. Or, or, you know, it just, or how long did it take for Habib and a Ferguson to get together? How many times has Connor avoided people? You know, Anderson's avoided people. Like, they, they've gotten away from that. And I think it's, it's turned some fans off a little bit. But, uh, you know, it, that's, that's an unfortunate thing, too. They, they're not doing that as much. And they, they, they used to listen to the vo- fans' voice, and now they're not as much as they used to. What do you think about um, John Jones and uh, Brock Lesnar? John Jones calling out Big Brock. I mean, I wasn't surprised by it. I mean, I, I mean there, there was a, the stories coming out before leading up to that Brock might be, you know, going back to UFC. I, it, like, I get it. But again, look. Everybody wants to see again Gustafson John Jones. This is the fight. Gustafson, you know, after the losses to Anthony, the loss to Anthony Johnson, he's rebuilt himself. He's on fire. He's looking great. John Jones comes back to reclaim the throne. Put him in there with the guy that took him to the limit. That's I love Daniel Cormier. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time. You know, he did an admirable job in the two fights, but Gustafson is the guy that made John Jones dig deep. I was mm. I, still to this day. I remember when John Jones in the fourth and fifth round dug deep, championship rounds, and gutted out that win. That's one of the greatest light heavyweight title fights ever. Everybody wants to see it, but the possibility of Brock Lesnar versus John Jones is is your your priority right now. I mean, it may not happen until next year anyway. But why is that the priority? Like you know, and 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 like they've done so many times, really smart that they'll have the next contender in the, the ring or in the cage. 
Why would you not have Gustafson right there, especially after Jimmy Manuel lost early in the night? You know he's out. So Gustafson should have been there. You know, John Jones wins face-to-face. Do you guys want to see that? Everybody cheers. Fight sold. We set it up for whatever. But they weren't about him versus Brock Lesnar. Like, I, I love Brock Lesnar. He's one of my favorite fighters ever. But we all know that's a pretty winnable fight. The, the reason why that's happening is to build John Jones' legacy again, make Brock Lesnar get some more money. But th- that's a pretty winnable fight for John Jones. And and it's just like, wh- why? Oh, because it sells. Oh, I might get a million buys. Ah, oh, great. So a fight that's like a freaky kind of fight for money great. instead of the fight everybody wants to see. Yeah, I mean, I've got friends over here, and we were speaking about the John Jones uh, Brock Lesnar fight, and I was saying I think John Jones, you know, more than likely win, and yeah. they were like, "Nah, man, Brock Lesnar, like, absolute beast strength. Like, if he takes John Jones to the ground, he'll just hold him down and ground and pound him into, you know, he's like sixty pounds heavier or forty pounds heavier." And I'm just thinking, yeah, but John Jones is agile, quick. Fucking yep. head kicks, spin yep. kicks, and he—he's more athletic. He can, yep. you know. I just think him. You know, I'm not saying I'm Mystic Meg. <laughs> in my opinion, John Jones. There, I've, Brock Lesnar's kind of only got a certain style, certain game. Yeah. You know, he's just yep. strong, big, just take you down and just crush you. Whereas yeah. John Jones has just got so many um, different things in the locker. Mm-hmm. different techniques in the locker, different ways to expose an opponent. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's not the fight I personally want to see. <laughs> no, I mean, it, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be kind of historic in a way. And and not to take anything away from bro, what Brock Lesnar did, what Brock Lesnar did was incredible. I mean, one fight, goes into UFC, you know, really was beating the heck out of, out of you know, Frank Mir and, and gets caught. You know, he goes and beats Randy Couture, the legend. But this is a different time, you know, and you've seen it when Brock's had to fight them. The athleticism of fighters is just getting higher. And even as the higher weight classes, you know, this isn't Randy Couture. You take him down, he's going to have to work real hard, probably use the cage, get get back up with Brock Smith, like the faster guy. Like John Jones, okay, let's, you know, let's, not, let's just take the striking out of it because we know what's going to happen if they had to strike. Uh, let's say Brock gets him down. This is an era where we've seen guys like, you know, even Jorge Masvidal, because he's gone up in weight as a 55 or to 170, or, or you know, uh, Frankie Edgar, that it's not, you know, it, things aren't equal. Guys have gotten so good, so athletic, the training's so good, they know how to quickly explosive energy and, and make their movement and get back to the feet, or, or you know, a scramble. You're like, yeah, Brock might get him down, but John Jones is so long, so athletic. I can easily see him scramble, I mean, make some distance, make some room, and get out of those. I mean, for example, Cain Velasquez, Brock got him down, and Kane got up relatively quickly. Mm. I mean, yeah, Kane had a better has a probably a better pedigree than in wrestling than John Jones, but John Jones has taken to this sport like like a fish to water. Like I have no doubt in his gym, Greg Jackson is one of the best in the world. He would know if I have ways to get back up. You know, it, it, it and and Brock just like the Kane fight, if he gets him down and he gets back up, you like you see the the confidence go out of him. Like he's like, oh, I gotta do this again. You know, and he's only slowed down. You know, it, it just he that uh, yeah. I, I think that's a tailor-made fight for John Jones. John Jones just like you know Floyd would take his 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 choose his opponents or his opponent. This he knows why he's fighting him. He knows he can beat him. He knows even if he got him down, 
he, he can get back up. I mean, Daniel Cormier had trouble getting him down. Daniel Cormier is a faster Olympic-level wrestler. Like, that day of just, oh, pure horsepower is enough to, to, to do things, it's not like that anymore because people – the fighters get more technical, more more expert level. Like, that's just not enough anymore. So – and then also Brock doesn't like to get hit <laughs> with John Jones. Like that was the advantage Brock had against Randy Couture. These long, massive arms. Like even Randy Couture said, like it was like a snake rolling out at him when he hit him with the shot and that that knocked him down. John Jones probably has length on him. So what does he have? He doesn't have the length. He's not gonna be a faster puncher. He doesn't kick. You know, he's not gonna throw anything interesting. He's gonna do his little, you know, and kind of wait. Hopefully he'll get a takedown. John Jones would just pick that man. Imagine John Jones start doing the elliptical kick to Brock to his front leg. Oh my lord, it it will be trouble. What's um going on with Ronda Rousey then? Is she retired? Is... I mean, the latest word is um she's doing her wrestling training. Like the the the, the stuff I've seen recently is uh there is a um in WWE on on their network they're doing a tournament they actually did a, a tournament for cruiserweight wrestlers which are wrestlers uh, 205 pounds or lower about i think it was last summer maybe yeah and they did a tournament of the best cruiserweights in the world and they had a winner and then the winner you know started this had the cruiserweight top now they're doing the women's version cuz it's a great way to find new female wrestling talent to get some other names known to to get content for the network so they're doing a a women's tournament and in the tournament is one of the four horse women Shayna Baszler and from what I've seen, like, it hasn't been released. They pre-recorded the tournament, and I don't think it's been on the network yet. Um, supposedly, Ronda and the other horse ladies of her crew were at ringside. And in WWE, there's four women wrestlers that made it up from their minor leagues or NXT, which is like the, the you know, the, almost a AAA or the, the minor leagues of uh, wrestling to the main roster. And they were calling themselves the four horse women. So supposedly at this tournament... Um, Shayna Bays, I guess she lost her match or whatever, but she got into an altercation with the wrestling, the WWE four horsewomen and with her four horsewomen and four horsewomen <laughs> throwing all over the place. But the word I'm hearing is she's possibly doing some training to do a match at either not uh, Survivor Series, which is the, the November WWE pay-per-view or for WrestleMania. Like she's probably maybe going to do wrestling because she was at WrestleMania, I think. Three years ago now, two, three years ago, she did a little segment with um, the Stephanie McMahon and uh, Triple H. So she, she, you know, got a taste. She wants to do it. She's a fan of this stuff. She loves wrestling. So I think that's more likely. I don't think she's coming back. I think she's going to make a big fat payday for WWE, probably make like six figures at least to work 10 minutes and keep in shape and train. And honestly, that's what Brock Lesnar did. And I think most people will probably do it. I mean, Josh Barnett has gone to pro wrestling. A few other people. It's mad. Um, I mean, I think the sports moved on so quick. Yeah. Yep. Since she, I mean, I spoke to Phil about it. And we were talking about um, how Ronda was kind of just really good for her time. But mm. the quality wasn't as good. And now you're getting sort of jiu-jitsu black belts yep. who are sick at striking and she just can't compete so yeah i mean maybe that's that's her next move uh, the right yeah i mean move, in my opinion it's i, I know and i honestly i agree and i'm a big round of fan. i saw all her fights in, in strike force from the first one on the strike force challengers you know i've seen all of her fights um, and, you know when she got big in women's mma it was similar to men's mma 
15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe maybe more 15, where you could have this one dominant style that really hasn't, not, you know, it's almost like a, like Leona Machida, what happened with him and his karate. She brought in a high level of a specific dominant kind of style that just no one at that time was prepared for. You know, they couldn't handle it, you know, and it took a lot of time, a lot of tape, a lot of people going through the process to finally figure out Leota Machida. And it's the same thing with her. She had such a dominant style that it took a while to figure out. And then you you said it perfectly. Like, the women's MMA, it's come along quick. It came, like, while it took, like, 10, 15 years for the men to kind of come along to these super well-rounded athletes, it happened real quick in M- women's MMA. And you got a Holly Holm, and, and, and Emisha Tate just took another step forward with her striking, and some of these other fighters. And she she just never developed enough. And I, and I, I even, as a fan fell into seeing her beat Betcha Correa and, and Sarah McMahon. Like, man, her her clinch is good. Her strike has come along. Man, she's she's really become a total package. I knew she could get hit, but I was kind of maybe like, ah, oh, it'll come along. And she, her striking, I remember watching, uh, uh, I think it was a pre-fight analysis. I forgot who was talking about, but they were making a point that, you know, she really just throws her jab so she can kind of get close, grab people around the head, and go for the, the throws. And people got wise to that. They saw the tape. They understood it. So someone like Holly Holm, I always thought if Holly Holm avoids a takedown, makes keeps movement, oh, that's just a bad matchup. Footwork, ability to pop pit shots and move around, and and that was just it, it. It showed the massive holes in her game. Like she, her striking, she doesn't move her head. Her striking is very robotic and straight. It's all to set up her takedown. So if you can pot shot her and move away, I mean, she's in trouble. And then the Amanda Nunes just, you know. Further showed it because Amanda Nunes is fast, hits hard. You know, her she just never evolved. Like, and the bad thing for her, and even the fans said it, she probably should have went to another camp. And and I respect her loyalty to you know Edmund Tavernian, and I, I dig that, and that's great. But you know, you're losing. You know, you haven't seen great fights. George St. Pierre evolved. He went from one camp to Greg Jackson. Then he went to TriStar. There's a lot of fighters in American Top Team that they didn't start American Top Team. They started somewhere else. Like you have to go in there and sharpen uh, metal with metal. Like, you have to force yourself to get better. Like, you have to go in there and lose. You have to go in there and, and, and get beat up in the gym and to grow. And she's fighting the same people and not really growing. And once people got wise to it, it was just, <laughs> it was all hands on deck for a beatdown. It was bad. I remember um, years ago, it must be a few years ago now, everyone was calling Ronda Rousey the Mike Tyson of MMA. Oof. Because her striking was so, you know, yeah, big. And then people are like, Ronda Rousey, Floyd Mayweather, could it ever happen? <laughs> and I'm thinking, what? Fucking <laughs> 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 Floyd Mayweather, Ronda Rousey. Like, imagine if that happened. And obviously she was on ESPN and she got voted for some award. And then she was like to the camera, do you know who I am now, Floyd? And, yeah. you know, they were like building some hype train, but I, obviously it was never going to happen. But yeah. that was, you know, some crazy, crazy talk for a while. But she, you know, she's, she's made money in the sport at the end of the day, was a great champion. And unfortunately mm-hmm. the sport just evolved so quick and she maybe didn't take the chance to go to a different camp and adapt and, yeah. you know, expand her skill set to it to yep. an extent i mean Touching what on she... the... go on sorry no no you go yeah um on the like holly home was like a boxer yep before she and then she went to mma what's to say floyd mayweather can't go into mma and 
just do a head kick to Conor McGregor and that's it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It could I mean, happen, the, like... I'm hoping, I'm hoping. We've seen like little hints and stuff like that here and there, but it hasn't happened yet. I mean, the only taste of a real boxer going to MMA was James Tony fighting Randy Couture. And <laughs> that, was a, that was a weird fight. It was like a fun fight. Everybody kind of forgets about it. Everybody looks at, you know, Conor and Floyd kind of think, oh, that's the first time these two worlds have collided. No, that, that happened years ago. Like, James Tony for Randy Couture in a cage. He had the balls to go in the cage. That's how tough James Tony. That guy's legit. Mm. Um, but... I'm hoping like somebody might makes the transition. Like there were, t- there was a time that there was rumors that Bellator is talking to Tyson Fury. That would have been interesting. You know, Stipe keeps calling uh, Anthony Joshua. That would be interesting. I mean, the one that excited me was um, Amir Khan throughout. You know, oh maybe I, you know, something I could think about doing. Maybe I do it. And that'd be a fascinating because if you can just teach these guys to to, to, to avoid takedowns. The hand speed of a boxer, their movement. I mean, you know, the the training has come so far that you can really help somebody and learn a lot. But, I mean, perfect example, it still it still takes years and years to really get this stuff. CM Punk. This guy goes into training. He's been training at one of the better camps out there. He's training for, like, six months, year, whatever. He gets in there, and the goal takes it down like that. Like, he knows what's coming. He knows how to avoid it. But it's hard. Like, so even if you get a great fight like that, or even if Floyd were to get in there, like, to learn the techniques, and that's why I love MMA, because what these people do, some of these kicks, some of these techniques, you know, how hard they are to do, even if you get him in there and train for a little bit, like, he he still needs years and years to get it right, which is why Connor is probably going to get his ass handed to him, because you need years and years to really know how to box, right? And this guy's been doing it for, like, 25 years now. I think the one of the good exceptions to the rule as well is um, Cody No Love. Garbray, I can't pronounce his yeah. name, with Dominic yeah. Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Cody was, uh, I think, a boxer beforehand. And I think he I think he has some wrestling background. background. I think he might have wrestled maybe not in high school or college. So he has some yeah. kind of basic setup for that. But he was doing, um, I'm sure he, he he had done some, some boxing and a little bit of wrestling, like you said. And he went in there and yeah. destroyed Dominic. Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> I mean,. Uh, he was fucking dancing and showboating yeah. and banging, yeah. and now you've got... I mean, I'm looking forward to TJ. Yes. TJ. Yes. yes. That's the one for me. That's the fight that, that, that should be, like, all, oh, like, social media and UFC should put be pushing the heck out of it. Like, just like they should have really pushed hard on John Jones and Daniel Cormier. I mean, 800,000 is still a really good number. I mean, that that's not that's nothing to sneeze at, but damn, that's the fight. I mean, I'm excited for that kind. I'm a TJ Dillashaw fan. I, I like his style. Cody is a must-watch fighter. These are two guys that are two of the better fighters in the world. One's the champion. One's the former champion. I mean, honestly, the, the TJ Dominic Cruz fight was really close. I thought TJ won it, but, you know, whatever. Um, so And they're both in their prime. They have a they they're great strikers. They're fun to watch, and they have a legitimate beef. Like this is goes deeper than I don't like you, you don't like me. Like these guys were friends. They're not friends anymore. I mean, that was the most entertaining thing about this last season, the Ultimate Fighter. Like this is a fight. Like th- this is kind of again like like Cormier and Jones. This is like a, a a a like a period in time that needs it has to be encapsulated as important because this is a big fight. This is where Cody Garbrandt becomes a superstar or the beginning of a trilogy, or whatever, we see, like, TJ Dillashaw is really a hidden gem that needs more talk, you know, and 
And what he did to Dominic Cruz is amazing. Like that, Dominic Cruz is a guy who, like, like a Lyoto, like a, just a puzzle that was so hard to figure. He didn't dominate people like his name, but he still beat people and great, great fighters. Like this guy beat Demetrius Johnson. Like mm. you know, everybody feels speed kills. Demetrius Johnson, like he lost it. That's Demetrius Johnson's last loss. So you know, to beat him so bad was amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. And also. I mean, I hope the rumors are true. I saw a rumor uh, maybe about two, three weeks ago that on that same card, we may get Frankie Edgar versus Mac Holloway. And, oh, man, that's another one. If that fight could happen, woof, boy. Yeah, I mean, with, with, like we've said about the UFC, maybe not giving the fans what they want to see and then they're pulling these out of the bag. But yeah. it's just whether or not they, they build the hype train enough. I mean, yep. Cody and the, the Cody and Dominic fight... Um, I saw the the smack talking or whatever beforehand where where they're sitting there talking and then Cody's like going to go over there and Dominic's like, is he coming over now? (laughs) I I hope he's coming over, like ready to take it. And I was just like, man, these two don't really like each other. And that's fair enough. And I think Cody's just got like, he just doesn't like anyone, you know? Yeah. (laughs) He he fucking hates Dominic Cruz and he still dislikes him to an extent, you know? And then you've got TJ and... Conor McGregor predicted that TJ was a fucking snake and Cody stuck up for TJ and now, you know, they're getting it on and Conor McGregor was right. But, I mean, I don't really know all the ins and outs of that sort of story. I don't know whether you do, but with um, Uriah Faber and the Cavs or whatever. It's a weird thing. Like, um, the funny thing is when you watch the the season of Tough, um, to me, the impression I got is they don't want to say it because they're all tough guys and everything like that. But I feel like Alpha Male was hurt, like genuinely hurt that Cody left. Like he was their friend and they can say all this stuff. But that's the impression you get. Like they're bothered. Like they just don't want to vent. Like they can probably use a, a good therapist and talk it out and it'd be good for it. But uh, I mean, and from all occasions, what the stuff I've read and heard about was um, TJ is close with uh, Dwayne Ludwig. He came in and, and Team Alpha Male and he helped out a lot in terms of striking, you know, he took TJ, he helped Joseph Benavides, he helped Cody, he helped, you know, a few fighters really get much better striking, and he had a falling out with Uriah, you know, sometimes people just don't get together, and Uriah runs the gym, and he, he kind of dismissed them, and, and Dwayne and TJ developed such a strong relationship that Dwayne went back to Colorado, where he's, he used to, to have his gym, and he went to, he preferred to train with him, also because the gym they opened up in Colorado was um, this nuke-style gym where they're paying fighters to train there. I guess they're trying to to garner interest in certain gyms so they're willing to pay them. That doesn't happen. Like, the only time a fighter gets paid is for their fight. They got to pay their trainers and stuff like that, and that's it. So I can't blame TJ. I mean, maybe there's more things. Maybe there is a great beef to it. But if TJ is going to go train with this guy who is now a close friend who's helped him get to championship levels, he's the one that really took TJ from a primarily a wrestler type to a great striker – and you're going to get paid just to train along with your regular pay for, for showing and, and winning. You know, again, like I said before, like this is a small window for these fighters to make money. If that's a chance for him to make money, I can't blame him. Like, yeah, you don't want to leave your friends, but, you know, you got a family. He's got a wife, developing family. Yeah, go there, make your money because you can't do this forever. So I would have probably did it too. And, and, you know, I get the betrayal thing, but... It's not like, you know, there was like a, a an icon in the Team Alpha Male, you know, gym, a trophy, and TJ stole it and brought it to Colorado, and he's keeping it hostage. Like, I, you know, it, it, people got to do what they got to do. So I'm surprised they're not more. He wanted to leave. Oh, well, his loss. We're our Team Alpha Male. We're a better camp. 
he's gonna lose, whatever. But they're like genuinely hurt. They're bothered by it, and I love it. Right, going full circle. Last question I'm gonna ask you because then I've got a shoot off. So if it's okay to wrap this up, but my last question is, who wins, McGregor or Mayweather? Oh my God, Mayweather's gonna win. I, I think. It's going to be similar to the other Mayweather fights where it's going to hit round. It's going to go. uh, Conor will probably have his moments. He'll throw some big shots. He'll push forward. And then we'll all start realizing around round four, five, six, seven, like, yeah, Conor doesn't have anything to offer. This 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 isn't what I thought. Floyd has gotten us again. He's dominating another guy again. And I really feel like Conor is going to get frustrated. He's going to take some chances. He's going to make some bad mistakes. Floyd will lay some traps because what Floyd does is he'll show you something, make you get used to it, and take it away and give you something else. That's why he's one of the best ever. Like his IQ is phenomenal. And I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere between the eighth and tenth round we start seeing knockdowns and at some point Connor is finished. I just think he I mean he's tough. Even Floyd said in an interview yesterday, if he doesn't get a knockdown, it's almost a win for Connor. I don't think he wants to give Connor any kind of win. Yeah, he's gonna save face and he's gonna wanna make sure he wins in general, but I just feel this is set up for a Conor McGregor knockout. You know, getting knocked out in like, I'm going to say ninth round, he gets knocked out. There's the prediction, fight fans. Lay all your money on it. This guy knows what he's on about. Jason knows what he's on about. <laughs> Cheers for coming on, man. I'll talk to you off camera quickly anyways. Uh, massively appreciate it. Um, I'll tag all your links and stuff in the box. Right. So anyone who wants to go and check out your site, Instagram, um, and the podcast that you're running, um that will be tagged below anything you want to say at all oh uh, yeah no, I mean, if you want <laughs> <laughs> no i mean just uh you know if you're out there look for the fight strength podcast with me and phil deru he's a american top team strike the conditioning coach the guy has a, a wealth of knowledge unbelievable super smart on the on the topic he trains great fighters champions like you want to young jay check um give us a look you know we're on itunes in uh uh Google Play Music, YouTube, SoundCloud, and we just got approved yesterday for iHeartRadio. So we're it's a five points of attack streaming service we're going with. So uh, look for us there. And if you're a New York fan, you like New York sports, look for the Empire State uh, Sports Talk show I'm doing. And hope you listen to us and listen to the JB podcast. This is the shit, yo. This is a good show. Listen to it. Come back for more. Cheers for the hype, bro. Cheers for the massive hype train. All right. <laughs> I'm in. Thanks a lot. Below, check it out. I'll stop recording. Peace. <laughs>